Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. I'm not sure if you remember, but there was a brief period of about a few years when golden kiwi fruit was nowhere to be seen. It simply disappeared from our supermarket shelves. Kia ora, I'm Sonia Yee, and you're listening to Eyewitness. Back in 2010, the kiwi fruit industry was attacked by PSA. It sent panic through the industry. It was all over the news. PSA hit the North Island first, and it was spreading like wildfire. Here's a 2010 news clip from RNZ programme Checkpoint. It's just been confirmed that the kiwi fruit disease PSA has spread to the South Island. Two orchards in the South Island, in Motueka and Golden Bay, uh, to blow when it's crossed the strait. New Zealand is the third largest producer of kiwi fruit in the world. It's an important part of our export market, so losing it would have been disastrous. Kiwi fruit uh, is from the Actinidia genus. Russell Lowe, an award-winning scientist at Plant and Food Research, was on the scene. Actinidia tenensis is gold and Actinidia deliciosa is the green. Within a species, there is a range of tolerance to um, this disease. The gold kiwifruit variety back then was known by the industry as Hort 16A. Hort comes from Hort Research, which was the original uh, name of our company before we changed to Plant and Food. And 16A was the position, this original plant, it was in Block 37, Row 1, position uh, 16A. We knew it as Zespri Gold, but as it turned out, it was incredibly vulnerable to the disease. There was about 30 million trays exported just before PSA hit. By 2014, it was down to 11 million, so there was a very rapid fall-off. Pretty nerve-wracking at the time. Professor Lowe says some of the plants have been sourced from various parts of China. Of these plants, some had two sets of chromosomes, which are called diploid, while other breeds of gold kiwi fruit had four sets, and they're called tetraploid. Now, the original Zespri gold were bred from diploid lines, which meant that they had two sets of chromosomes. And Russell says early breeding efforts were restricted to what was available in the germplasm collection. But as soon as a PSA attack hit the Bay of Plenty, scientists realised the diploid plants had barely any tolerance to the bacteria, which is why so many of them were lost to the disease and orchard management systems weren't able to protect the Zespri gold variety, leading to its collapse. Once the material spread from the original site across the Bay of Plenty and arrived at the Tapuki orchard, then we started to see infections right throughout our plants. So how drastic was the situation from his point of view? One of our researchers uh, did some forecasting based on the number of plants that were dying over a short period and predicted that within a year or two there be, wouldn't be a single kiwifruit plant left. But back then, no-one knew how PSA behaved or how to manage it. So it tends to make the possibility of eradication of this disease extremely, extremely, extremely slim. slim. 
that spread amongst the um, orchards was extremely rapid. Bacteria can spread in the air, usually during periods of rain. That's where it infects the plants. The genetics in that original Zespri Gold showed that it was quite susceptible to PSA. The first thing you see is the young shoots bending over at the top and starting to wilt, and then um, you get whole dieback in the canopy. Then you see a red ooze coming out of the mature branches and even the main leaders of the plant, because what's happening is the bacteria is multiplying. And so we still have a situation which we think is manageable. CEO of Zespri at the time, Lane Jager, from RNZ Checkpoint in 2010. Less than 1% of orchard area is affected by this. The most important thing now is to get on and start to manage uh, this disease aggressively to reduce the amount of bacteria in the environment and therefore be able to manage with with this disease going forward or even eradicate it. Real saviour for the industry that uh, the Hayward... That's the green variety. ...continued cropping, even though you could see signs of infection... One of the downstream issues was that some of the flowers would get infected. You'd lose some of your potential crop that way. But Russell Lowe knew what the public didn't, that there was one species of gold kiwi fruit that was ripe for the picking and waiting quietly in the wings. When PSAs started destroying the Hort 16A, we already had plant material out on commercial orchards and they, we could see that it was uh, surviving quite well despite the PSA. By 2010, Zespri had already licensed two or 300 hectares of this new material to um, complement the original Hort 16A. Of course, during that time, a lot of those plants were grafted over to the new Sungold. Here's examples of the fruit that we grow. And this is Jeff Roderick. Here we're cutting the Hayward. And there you've got that iconic New Zealand zespri kiwi fruit that everyone's used to, the green with the He's one of 82 organic kiwi fruit growers in Tapuki and runs the orchard with his wife Shirley. When PSA struck, they were travelling around Europe. About three months before, we were with a zespri-based tour. We went to Rome, but we didn't go out and look at orchards or anything like that because they okay, might have been a bit belated, but the awareness was there and we didn't want to bring the um, PSA back to New Zealand. People were understanding what potential could be if it got here. We had a daughter who was working for MPI biosecurity and she resigned the week before and she was still on the email list and I remember I was driving and she just um, phoned up and said they found PSA in um, Tipoki and I said oh exclamation mark exclamation mark and then it was kind of all on from then. Initially you, you hope that your orchard won't be infected but we were one of the first ones to be infected and you're just you're on a journey then. And because people didn't know how to manage the disease some growers were leaving the infected vines on the ground. Little did they know, that's a fast track to spreading the bacteria. But Chief says their strategy was a bit of a slash-and-burn situation. Pretty labour-intensive what we did. So, yeah, we, we cut out everything as soon as we realised we couldn't get the vines through the season. We just cut and destroyed under best practice. As we knew it then, buried vines, burnt vines. I think it was purely emanating from the centre infection point or the initial infection point which was about a kilometre from our orchard and it just spread out from from that. You're dealing with spores floating in the atmosphere and the air and they move around pretty fast. You find them in outer space so it was never going to not spread. More outlying areas they probably by the time it got to them 
um, the techniques in, in orcharding and trying to mitigate the impact of PSA were probably more defined and more understood and there was less panic. It was just a matter of maybe like, like we are with COVID now, we kind of getting to understand a wee bit about what's involved and it doesn't make it easier. But I wonder if being organic meant that they were more or less affected by the spread of PSA. Quite a few people approached us and we thought, ah, maybe we've got the panacea here being organic, but no, we just got cleaned out the same as anyone else. Maybe our vines hung on fractionally longer and they recovered fractionally quicker, but not quantifiable. At the end of the day, it gets down to orchard technique and practice of the individual orchard. We had a lot of field days around the area, obviously, when people were searching for answers. And it was acknowledged that we, as in our orchard, in our situation, got through PSA well as or better than any other orchard. But that was more on orchard technique in terms of... Um, going around our vines, checking regularly, and we can do that with permanent staff. For us, it was probably not as bad than it was for our staff because we had all the information, all the data that was available. We're going to meetings, we're talking to Zespri, and we kind of knew what was going on, but you're responsible for staff who've got mortgage payments, child support payments, court payments, or whatever it might be. They've got no certainty of employment, so it was more about protecting them and making sure we generate enough work to keep them going. So how were the other growers affected? It spat some people out and some, you know, through no fault of their own might have been a bit stretched financially in that stage and, you know, there was no way forward for them and that was really sad. Some people handled it really well and some people totally went to pieces. According to Jeff, there was a lot of support from the industry, not only at a government level, but also within the community. But as an industry, we put a lot of support systems in place and there was a friend of mine, Ian Greaves, who did a lot of that work and our aim was not to have anyone in their own lives because of the stress they're in. As far as we know, we got through that as an industry. We're pretty proud that we got through unscathed from from that point of view and the people were phoning people up and we saw people that were on the edge, we'd get support people in. And often it wasn't the actual orchardists, it might have been the um, people supplying the the product to the orchardists and, you know, they just got ground down with all these having to support, emotionally support their customers and it got too much for them, you know. By the same token, it probably reduced land values, um, higher risk. It did let some of the younger generation get a foothold in the door, which has been you know, good for vibrancy of the industry because you always need new blood in. Most of it, the demographic of us, plus a lot of other primary industries, is probably late 50s, early 60s. Fortunately, Jeff and Shirley's orchard was selected as part of a new breeding program for Thespri Sungold, In their eyes, it's definitely a winner. This new variety was coming along and we'd been a trialist, so we'd had it for a a few years, so we knew a little bit about it. They'll trial new varieties, and you know we've got the biggest plant breeding program in the world, which is actually next door to us, and Zespri asked for expressions of interest to be a trialist. In our case, we often get selected because we're organic and recognised as reasonably good orchardists. And so we've been through five or six different varieties. But today, the golden kiwi fruit is quite different to what it used to be. For one, the fruit is larger and more of a perfect egg shape. The weird, flat, woody, beaky bit has gone, and it's been replaced by what reminds me of a tiny little perfectly formed belly button. I don't think there'll be another new gold variety for some time because I think it's impossible to beat the sun gold. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. It would have taken quite a while to transition the whole New Zealand key fruit industry into growing solely the new variety, it would have created a bit of market confusion. So, you know, it just hastened that transfer into the new variety. From a marketing point of view and a customer point of view, it's beneficial because the G3s ticked all the boxes globally and it's an easier fruit to grow than the 16A. You can get bigger sizes and it's pretty dynamic. 
globally I've seen articles saying it's the best new fruit introduced into the world market since bananas. This year, 2020, there were 75 million trays harvested of Zespri Sun Gold, and that's up from 67 million the previous year. So, did the industry gain more than it lost? Most of the industry tend to look forward, not backwards, and you know, we've, we've got a pretty exciting future, and we've done pretty well in the last few years, so I'm more proud of how tight the industry became and how quickly we moved collectively and how well we worked together. We were all cut maybe a dozen vines out a year on our orchard. Little bits pop up all the time, but the spore levels in the atmosphere are not nearly as heavy as they were before. Thanks for listening to this episode of Eyewitness. I'm your host and producer, Sonia Yee. The sound engineer was Phil Benge, and our executive producer is Tim Watkin. If you'd like to listen to that episode or more from this series, head to rmz.co.nz forward slash eyewitness or wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you next time. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.